Hey guys, what's up? I really wish I had the rights to play some South Florida music right now. Um, I really wish I could play some. You know the songs I'm thinking about. We, when I say South Florida, you know what songs I'm thinking about, right? Um, I had a pleasure talking to Kyra and one of the things I got out of the conversation is about how important education is and where you receive this education. Now, there's a debate, right, about it doesn't matter what school you went to in architecture. It's all about how you perform, right? Is it when, when you go and you send out your resume, it's not so much a resume as much as it is your portfolio. Can you do the work? We don't care what school you go to. We just want to know if you can do the work. And I think that's a bunch of malarkey. <laughs> Education is extremely important. And even in like non-architectural sense, but just in general sense about the public education of this country, when counties or parishes or whatever do the redistricting of like the school system it's like an uproar because you don't want your kid to go to that school um on all for whatever reason so education is political so why do we not consider education in the architectural world political and you know we didn't go down this route but in me re-listening to uh, the conversation it got me thinking about Kyra's education because you know throughout the theme of if you listen to the previous podcast how my own personal experience with education especially in, in you know education in in architecture and how I bounced from school to school and the debate of historically black universities colleges and universities it it shaped who you are and it shapes how you interact. And it is really rooted in what you're going to do with the rest of your life. So going back to Kyra, uh, she started off going to um, majoring in architectural engineering. So she was more towards the engineering side. She was in Nesby. That's the National Society of Black Engineers. And she was able to, she loved it. But when she went over to the architecture world, when she started doing her master's, that's when her life changed. And that's why, because of that, hidden America's Hidden Gems was created. Because she didn't see anybody that looked like her. Now, if she went to a historically black college or university, black people always, everywhere, right? Like, or at least a diverse a diverse faculty, a, a more diverse student body. You have, you have a whole plethora of, of other nationalities that go to historically black schools, or in particular, we're talking about architecture schools. So, and I know with me and how I ended up going to a, 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 a black school, how that encouraged me to continue doing what I, I'm doing. Or at least allowed me to get my degree without biases or anything. Um, so it. we also talked about South Florida a little bit, how she grew up. And she has another charity too, um, which she will elaborate on. But it, it was a good conversation. I'm glad that I was 
able that she made time for me it was truly in a privilege to talk to her so anyways here you go so your name is Kara right Kyra Kyra okay okay so Kyra let me tell you how I I I'm, I'm like sitting there living life mind my own business and a friend of mine was like have you seen this hidden America's hidden gem I was like no and I went on your uh, Instagram page. I was like, oh, why have I not discovered this before? And then I was like, I have to talk to you. I was like, I have to talk to her. Like, what, what, how did she come up with this? Who is she about? Like, I need you to know, I need to know your life story, basically. Oh, I, and I don't have a problem sharing that. So, <laughs> so, okay, so let's start off. Like, how did you get into architecture? Well, I always wanted to do architecture, but actually, let me rephrase that. I don't, I don't really know because the more I think about it, when I sat down with my mom back in high school, it was always, okay, I wanted to, I wanted to be an art artist, to be honest. So my mom was like, no, no, let's actually use your skills. So I actually really loved doing calculus and physics, and I still managed like a way to keep art. So we came up with architectural engineering. So while I was in my like undergraduate, you know, pursuit, it became like, okay, we have a touch of architecture history courses, a touch of design, but I didn't really get to design buildings. So after discussing with my mom, I went ahead and decided to get my master's in architecture. So I bridged my engineering and my architecture background and here I am today. So Okay. That's 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 really how it is. So, are you from Florida? You were born yeah. There? Okay. I am. I am a South Florida resident, native, um, born and raised. Left. <laughs> how about your folks? Both are from South Florida too. Um. No, my mom. Well, my mom. Yes, she's born and raised here. And my father, he was born in Detroit. And he moved down here when he decided to go to college. Okay. And they met up, like, in college or? Yes. And then, some way, somehow, you were born. Um, yeah. So how was, how was University of Miami? How was that life? I personally, my experience was different from other people. Um, I, I loved, I loved my school. I'm still active. Um, but in terms of social, social life, I didn't enjoy it. Um, I had some issues with a sorority join, but aside from that, it was really the turning point for my life because I went from like making straight A's and not necessarily having to study and then having to actually meet myself and transition into basically being my own person on campus and going to classes, going to office hours, just to make sure I understood the material. Um, so it was, to me, that was a very transitional growing period for me. And in hindsight, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I really, it, it made me who I am today. Mm -hmm. I, I enjoyed my time at UM. Of course, there's always knickknacks at any school, but I enjoyed it for the most part. So engineering wise, 
I loved it. I enjoyed it. Architecture. I think that was, I don't want to say my breaking point, but I don't, I, I remember specifically coming home crying like my first week. Tell my mom, I don't know if this is for me. Even though it's like, I love the aspect, I love everything about it. But I was like, I don't know if this is for me. And she's just like, well, you know, this is for you. You applied and you don't let, you know, your obstacles stand in your way. So to me, going from engineering where I was one of seven who graduated to being the only one in my class and one of two in the entire graduate program. It was a culture shock, you would say? I feel like it was. Because in my opinion, like for engineering, it was very welcoming um, in the sense of I had other people who looked like me in my class. Like we were all together um, for our general classes, freshman year, sophomore year. And then we started, once we started, I guess, getting on track for junior and senior year, I had at least one person that I could identify with. Now, no, I didn't have professors that looked like me. So, I, I mean, I digested that. That's, that's what you're going to get at a predominantly white institution. You're not going to always have professors that look like me. I always had someone that I could talk to, that I could relate to, that I was able to have those conversations with. Whereas when I literally, because the engineering and the architecture school are apart from each other, the moment I literally crossed the bridge over to architecture, that's where I don't want to say my, how can I say this? I, I started seeing my race or my color or my culture more prevalent because I was the one that, I was the only one that could identify with it. So coming from engineering, I understood, hey, yeah, there's black engineers. And then coming into a, a totally different environment where you're like, wow, there's not many black architects and I can't even name one except my one professor who decided to leave the year that I started my program. So it was, it was very much so a culture shock. So all, all what you, it was a two year program or. Yes. So engineering four years and I got my master's in two years. So those two years you were like the only one. Yes. In my, in my, in my program. So if I'm not mistaken, UM has three or five graduate architectural programs. It could be 10. I don't know. (laughs) But out of those two years, I was the only one in my program. And there was one other gentleman who I became friends with and he was the only one in his. So we were the only two in the entire graduate program. He was getting his master's um, as well, but we were in two different programs. It was just us two, those entire two years. And this was like back in 2016, right? Right. So it's not like 1992. Right. To me, I, I had a similar experience. Um, I, school for me was very difficult. Um, the first school I went on, he went for a year before I transferred. And it wasn't the fact that there were, there were other minorities in my class, in my freshman class that helped, but it was the campus. So I'm, I'm in DC, right? Chocolate city back then. And (laughs) 
the campus was basically, I would describe it as like a black sheet with a white dot. So as soon as I crossed over into that white dot, I was in that white dot. And um, it was a culture shock, even though, you know, I'm, I'm born and raised here. The school I went to was, is also in DC. And, you know, it was, I had to defend myself all the time. And I don't know if it was me because there was this other woman that was like, maybe she was, so I was like freshman. She was probably like fourth year, maybe fifth year. Cause it was a five year program at the time. And they loved her. Like she was a black woman they loved her. And so I was just like, what is it that I'm doing wrong? Like, what is it? That, not to say that they all did it to all black women. Um, Cause that obviously wasn't the case, but it was, too, it, it became ridiculous. Right. Like it became like every single studio. I had to go back and ask for, hey, can you review my stuff? So it was a, at the end of the year, the school year, I was, screw this. Like, this is, I'm not paying how much money? And I'm just a freshman? So I left that school. And this other school that I went to, I loved that school. That was the best school. And even though it was in Boston, and even though I was in Boston, and it was a... Uh, oh, you know, it was a white school, I never felt Black. I felt like my work came first. My abilities came first. So I understand what, what, you, what, what you went through. And, I'm, and on top of your experiences, you were like the only one. Like, that was crazy. So it's, how did you, how'd you handle it? Like what, what you just person, I mean, obviously you, you graduated, of course, but like, how did you handle being the only one? To be real honest with you, I don't think I ever handled it. I don't think I ever got to a point where I handled it the way that I wanted to. It was more so let me do what I need to do to get out. Mm. But while I was there, I had a professor, my, I believe it was, because this is where the Startup America's Hidden Gym, this is where ASG was created. If I'm not mistaken, in December 2016, my history, my architecture history professor, um, she was like, okay, well, we need to do a paper. And I decided to do my paper on Julian Abel because I was like, well, I don't get a chance to hear about black architects and that's a problem for me so she came up with his name i did research couldn't find any of his drawings and it really affected me to the point where i'm like okay so if i can't even do my paper on this one black architect how can i myself be a black architect (laughs) um i know it was kind of like okay being a little dramatic here but it was, I needed something to look up to. I needed someone that I can imagine myself being in terms of an architect. And ironically enough, because I couldn't find his work, my professor suggested Joseph Middlebrooks. And it's alleged like he was one of the first black architects to be licensed in the state of Florida. And I'm like, okay. So I did my paper on him, um, ironic, and 
I got a chance to actually speak with him and talk to him and interview him in his life. And that's why I did my paper on. So after doing that paper, and I actually titled it America's Hidden Gem, The Black Architect, um, I believe I said either a foreword or whatever, Joseph Middlebrooks. So that's what I decided to write it on. And after that paper and talking with my professor, the last day of class, she talked about African-American architecture. And it was one of the most heart, it was heart-wrenching in the sense of you're the only Black person in this classroom. You may have some other visiting students from other disciplines, but in your class, you're the only Black one. And your professor decides on the last day of class to talk about Black architecture and how highways and byways are used to segregate towns and disrupt communities and it was one of the most eye-opening experiences for me and I won't ever forget her for that I truly appreciate her for that so that is one way I dealt with it I started doing well I talked a whole lot about that but um (laughs) that was one way I dealt with it just trying to find my little outlet to get through and that was that was really the start um otherwise I was going through a lot those two years. My mom got into an accident, so I was having to take her back and forth. So to be honest, architecture really wasn't like my end-all, be-all. It was more so trying to stay afloat and do whatever they are asking so I can go. And ironically, my, I don't want to say my senior year, but my last year, my I found out that my aunt was diagnosed with stomach cancer. Oh no. So I really was not in the mood for architecture. <laughs> um, so I was in the middle of an internship doing my thesis and then finding out that news a couple, I believe I found out a month and a half before my thesis was due or before the final pinups. So it, life or death, just get in, get out so you can focus on your family. What happened to you? Labrador. Oh, she passed um, that July. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, thank you. But she's she's been a driving force for me because she's always, you know, she was the life of the party. She loved life. And she's impacted people in ways that I've always strived to. And I think she was the reason why I went ahead and just started American Cinema Gym like the blog and, you know, the whole sites that October because I needed an outlet. I needed to encourage other people because I, it's, it's kind of, I'm kind of an interesting person. I rather encourage other people, even though I may need their encouragement at that time frame. Like, so I rather put my all into something else versus deal with my own emotions. Mm-hmm. So it was not only an outlet, um for that per se but it's it's grown to the point where I'm impacting people and helping them stay motivated and encouraged because you know we all don't know what everyone is going through so just being able to feature or you know talk to people I think I think that's I think that's a good thing yeah yeah so how how did you uh started finding people for it 
Instagram. Oh. <laughs> so I actually started looking through the hashtag Black Architects because I was like, let me look. Like, I know my page is private, but I was like, okay, how can I do this? I was like, let me go ahead, grab my friend's info. Um, so I started featuring my friends first and myself. And in terms of mentors, I looked up through the hashtag and I just started messaging people. Hmm. And the same message like to this day. And whoever bites, bites. <laughs> and so I go from there. Do you call it UFM or UM? Universe- UM, right? Okay. Because UFM here is University of Maryland. So I didn't know like. Oh no, we're DU. DU. <laughs> Um, only you. <laughs> so you're you're part of their um, alumni association, right? Yes. So so you still like you said before you love the university. It was just the architecture department. You didn't really. Correct. Okay. So, I'm I'm involved on the College of Engineering Alumni Association. So that is where. In terms of like you know participating as alumni, that is what I'm doing. I'm more so on the engineering side yeah. because even though I was one of seven, it's it still applies where mm-hmm. you're still not equal, so to speak. So my goal has always been to help retain Nesby members because I was I was the president of Nesby my senior year, and I held a diversity and STEM forum as well. So I was able to talk with the president, the dean, the vice president about how can you retain African-American engineers for your program? How can you keep these students here and them, and them not going on to business or psychology or whatever? Like, what can we do? What can you all do as a university to keep us here, to make us feel welcome, to make us have that community that you're sharing with the world? So me being a part of the alumni association is is my way of giving it representation because I am the only African American on the board, but this year we actually have had more people join the board of directors. So I feel like I've started I guess a trend where now we're getting more representation. So that is what I've been doing. I haven't touched architecture yet but i am still close with quite a few of the young women that are there on campus so i've been serving as a big sister a little mentor so to speak for them so that's that's role with um at the current moment so going back to growing up how was it like how was it like you said south florida i've never my personal experience of florida has just been you know Miami Beach and like you know. that's not Miami. <laughs> yeah, you you understand what I mean? Like it's not you know that's not Miami. <laughs> <laughs> so how was it growing up there? Like how was it looking back? Like how 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 was your childhood? Like how was the the neighborhood that you grew up in? Like in the lens of the grown you. In the lens of the grown me, I who child. Um, growing up I enjoyed growing up down here I I I've done everything in my power to not move literally done everything in my power to not leave from here um 
I guess looking at the young me versus the, I guess the now me, the neighborhoods, it has become very diverse, so to speak. Um, of course, Miami is known for its melting pot. So we have a lot of cultures down here. Um, in my neighbor parts, like in my neighborhood particularly, um, it was primarily white. It was a few African-Americans and now we're getting more Hispanics and now we're getting other races or nationalities, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, it's grown um, in terms of young me versus now me architecturally. I'm starting to notice how there's been a lot of gerrymandering, in my opinion, where there's been a lot of communities that have been divided, changed, and you see the dynamics of it. And I, every, every day that I have a chance to like, you know, go out and drive, look around, I get more upset <laughs> because I'm like, okay, the history and the culture of this community is changing. For instance, Overtown, which I actually learned from that professor at UM, the highways and the byways were put in the middle of a Black community. Now, knowing based off of my history, I know that Overtown used to be a very influential city. And the simple idea that Overtowns and byways, I mean, that highways and byways were used to disrupt the community, it makes me, well, first off, I'm disappointed. And it makes me upset because now Overtown is going through this new change where people are buying up the block, so to speak, and putting up skyscrapers. Hmm. And, and where many people who come to visit, Wynwood, Wynwood is really Overtown. Wynwood is, people say like, oh, Wynwood's on the outskirts of Overtown. But if you're from Miami, you would know that Wynwood is really Overtown. People get shot in Wynwood every day. Like it's, this isn't something that is cookie cutter. So for me, seeing how other communities have, you know, come in, built up the community, but to only build it up for their community, it bothers me. So in terms of the Miami landscape, I really hope that there can be a surge with the Black architects down here but there also have to be opportunities for us. We can't be slighted for, you know, different contracts because how can we expect to make a change on the community if you're not given the opportunity to do so? Mm -hmm. So that is, that's, that's my thoughts on Miami. I love my, I love my city. Don't get me wrong. I just don't like how the black community is being handled at the moment. So is that the reason why? Cause you, the first thing you said was, you tried hard not to leave there. Yes. Is it's because you you wanna make a change? Is that like you like why why do you have the is it family? Like why is it that you feel like you need to stay there? I feel like my purpose isn't done down here. Um because I started my nonprofit, I've I started getting a footing in terms of working and all, again, like all my family is here. So I, 
I can't afford to leave just yet. But even coming from an architectural standpoint, I've always said to my mom, once I get to a financially stable place in my life and I have disposable income, my operate, like this operation built, like take back the block. Like I want to rebuild our communities and not allow them to get in such a rut where, in my opinion, for instance, I'm, I'm digressing, but if you look in the black community, a lot of individuals after their mother or their grandmother passes, they're left their home, they're left their homes but they don't have the financial literacy or just the education to keep the home, which forces the home to go into foreclosure or to later on just be sold or just abandoned and be in a rut where someone comes along and buy the home, fixes it up, either flip it or move in and stay there. And we're losing one property right there. We're losing the family. We're losing property. We're losing the culture. So, for me, with my nonprofit, I have a I have an initiative called 100 Wills, where we go out and where we go out and I have volunteer attorneys come in to prepare 100 free wills for the community. Hmm. And in the process of doing that, they have a seminar where people are able to come ask questions and to find out how can they protect their belongings or their properties or whatever possessions that they have so that whoever they leave behind will be able to have access to it and their family's not fighting over a chair, for instance. It's, to me, having a will mitigates a lot of issues. So that is something that I've been working on. Um, and that, to me, helps the bigger picture. In order for us to do better, we have to know better. We also have to educate us. So. That is why I feel like I can't leave Miami just yet. I don't want to, I don't want to get to a point in my life where, okay, I could have done something, but I didn't do enough or I didn't do as much as I should have. So growing up for me, um, I decided, and this is going back to education. Um, when I was in high school, I didn't want to go to Howard and I didn't really? want to I no, I didn't want to go to because again, like I'm from here. So everyone that I knew who were going to Howard, their parents were teachers there or they were in some type of position where they got to go for free. And so I was just like, I'm not paying for Howard. Like just stupid. I'm not paying for Howard. And so I purposely did not go to HBCU. In the end, I ended up graduating from HBCU. I just want to know your take on HBCUs and like like how come you didn't go to FAMU like that type of thing oh because everyone and their mama go to FAMU (laughs) managing an architecture project in an architecture firm has lots of moving parts after experimenting with several different programs I realized that I needed a software that is customizable for multiple tasks. The more I talked to other firm owners, the more I realized there was a void where my firm wasn't big enough for programs like Asana, Instagram, or Trello, and not so big to spend $10,000 up front for some integrated software. 
I wanted a software that could do dashboard and Kanban views, Gantt charts, serve as an internet for the company, and resource loading. Then I discovered Smart Sheets for Architects. Interested in how Smart Sheets for Architects helped me? Go to www.smartsheet4architects.com and enter in ArcusPoly in the promo code to receive 10% off the course. Save yourself hours of guesswork from dealing with conflicted spreadsheets. Well, coming from a family like my father, he graduated from Florida Memorial University. My grandmother, she graduated from Bethune-Cookman University. I believe it was BCC at that mm-hmm. time. And my mom, she graduated from UM. So I was exposed to the HBCU culture and, and I, clearly I was exposed to UM. Um, when I was in high school, it took everything in me to apply to PWIs. Like I told my mom, I was like, I'm not going to um, a PWI. Like I've had enough, like I need to, I wanna, I wanna feel like I'm at home. So I was like, I'm, I'm going to an HBCU and that's it. I applied, I got full rides. I, when I tell you it, what changed the which changed the course of me going to HBCU was the fact that I went to visit UM. So being able to go on campus, I fell in love with the campus. I fell in love with the individuals I was there with. And that is what really made me go to UM because if you ask my mom today tomorrow, where was I going? It was between Dillard, it was between um Claflin. And the list goes on. Like I, like I still have all of my like printouts and my scholarships that I was awarded because that's where I really wanted to go. But the thing is that a lot of those schools didn't have architectural engineering. So, not only did I fall in love with UM, they also had the major. That's so, what you wanted. Right. So that is what really made me go to UM. It wasn't necessarily oh. I don't want to go to an HBC. No, that's what I planned on doing. It was just, I guess, the look of the draw, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about more about your nonprofit. So is is it separate from Hidden Gems or is it exact? It, it is Hidden Gems. Oh, it's separate. Okay. In 2016, I started my nonprofit shortly after I graduated from undergrad that summer. So the name of it is Anais Charities. Anais is a derivative of the African name I chose during my debutante program, which means to look up to God. So in my opinion, I feel like God put me on earth to fulfill whatever purpose he gave me. And I strongly believe that my purpose is to give back and to serve others. So that is what I've literally been doing, serving others in every capacity possible. Um, something that stands out from Anais Charities from other organizations is that we are, nothing goes in our pockets. So everything that we've done is through donations or is underwrite, like underwritten. So when you see an event, it's, it's the people who put it on. It's not, the money isn't going in our pockets. 
whatsoever. So I have four initiatives, um, one called Quarters for Cancer, where I collect coins and donate them to a cancer research facility. I have another one entitled Pops, Protecting Our Pals, which is for abandoned animals. Another one called Stand, which is for comforting and helping the homeless. And the last one is called Beats for Blacks in Engineering, Architecture, Technology, and Science. So I'm a little busy. You are 24-7. How, how's, how are you doing? That's what I need to ask you. How are you doing? I'm doing well. You know, it's all by the grace of the Lord, to be honest, because everything that I've gone through, everything I've done, if it wasn't for God and my family, I really don't know how I would be making it. To and be then you have, you have a nine to five too, right? No, I actually work for myself. Oh, so okay. Because, you know, I'm following you on LinkedIn. So, okay. Updated my LinkedIn um, because I haven't really, I, how do I say it? After the passing of my aunt, it really became more so of, I'm just going to stay to myself and I'll let people know gradually what I'm doing. So I'm actually, I would say a freelance architectural designer. So I have a couple architecture firms that contact me to do their work, their production work. So that is what I'm doing. So I'm getting, I'm still, you know, getting my hours. I'm still on the pursuit of getting my license. Um, oh, child, what else am I doing? Are you going to pursue your PE too? I am. I'm studying for my FE exam too. So I'm studying for my FE. I'm studying for the architecture. Well, actually, I'm more so focused on just getting my hours for that right now. Um, I'm also the president of the South Florida Professionals Chapter of National Society of Black Engineers. In addition to running my nonprofit, in addition to running America Tin and Gym, and is there anything else? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> is there a spa day in there somewhere? Or Really, I've been trying to go to the spa for like the past two months, but my mom and I are like, okay, we, 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 we need to take you to the spa. Like, I'll probably go in next week. That's the goal. See, that was the goal. So until I like, you know, make payment, that won't be, you know, the reality. But we're going to aim for it killing it like i'm tired for you i mean i'm tired but you know ironically i've been saying ironic a little too much this whole interview um i don't think i'm doing enough what if, if that makes any <clears throat> that makes no sense whatsoever no okay. sense whatsoever but then i'll be quiet on that one okay. <laughs> i mean if you sat down and you true not, not to say that you're not focusing on your nonprofit or you're not focusing on any of your activities but you don't want to stretch yourself too thin you understand what i mean like and you need your own time like you need to you know enjoy being in that warm weather because here you know it's 30 degrees here i can't go outside you know Ooh. just i mean life like what do you, what's your extracurriculars how do i have fun yeah um, i love to eat <laughs> <laughs> <I> do. 
Like, like, do you do you love to cook? Is that what it is, or are you, are you like a rest, restaurateur? Like, well, I'm gonna say a combination of all three. So, I love to cook. I love to draw. I do play the violin. Oh. Um. What else? I play basketball, but I haven't played basketball in a little minute. I actually need to get out there and get some sun. And yeah. Like, I'm a very low-key individual. I like to, you know, stay in my little bubble, stay in my room. You're a homebody. I, I am truly a homebody. Now, if someone is having a party, it's most likely a birthday party because I don't go out like that, and which is crazy because people are like, oh, you're in Miami. You can go out every, every weekend. And I'm like, no. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Just because you're from there doesn't mean that you're... And I know what's really going on down here. No. Exactly. You like, I ain't going over there. I know exactly what's going to happen. You're like, y'all just visit. Y'all don't. <laughs> exactly. Okay. I know I to be here. We're not to be. And that is not it. Um, so, yes, I'm, I'm a homebody. And I play with my dogs. Like, it's. But really, I do love to eat. And I love to draw. Like, those are my top two. <laughs> I just, I just don't want you to get burned out because I am, I'm burnt out. Like, and I've oh, done, I- and not to say that I, I, I've, I have as much as you're on your plate. I think at one point I did. And I just, I was just, I'm, I'm too through. I'm, I, I sizzled and it's hard to recover from a burnout. It really is like it, it, because it's, you just, and not to say that you become, um, I was despondent. This, this like a, you know, Netflix becomes your friend. You understand what I mean? Like you just want to zone out and get away from the world. And then you end up doing it for like a month, two months, six months. And you know, life is moving by. Right. And, and you're just like, I'm just not, I can't, you don't want to sit in front of the computer unless you have to, you don't want to, you don't want to read anything related to what you're supposed to be doing. It's really like, I suffer from it so bad, like to a point where I'm like, I need a therapist to talk about this. I probably, Um, I understand. Trust me. Just when that, when that, when that feeling comes, then just focus on fine tuning what you already have going on. Right. Like how, how can you step up? what you already have how can you take that to another level versus creating something new because when you create something new it's your baby you know and then you have to treat it like a baby so you have to tend to it and you know focus on it and then while that's happening you have all this other stuff happening in the background and then you're just going you're just going crazy because then this and that and this and that so get your nails done (laughs) every once in a while or I, i need to go get them done it's been a minute. So how can, how can I help you? Besides this, besides putting, putting you out into the world. Ooh, you really, you, you know, that's what you're really doing. This is actually a big help. Um, I went from, well, I'm an only child, so I don't necessarily like to talk to people unless I know them. So 
this you're helping me right now because this is real how can i say it it's taking me out of my comfort zone well i'm honored that you agreed like i was like i don't know you and i'm gonna try this out and ask because <laughs> so far it's been people that i know or at least people that i've corresponded on twitter or facebook like you're like the first person that i've reached out to and say hey can i interview you so touch the podcast oh my gosh i'm so touched because <laughs> i'm like i have no idea who you are i have no idea your personality i don't know like what to say how to say it you know like i there's no only thing I have is your LinkedIn profile and I soft and that's my only soft stock. I didn't do a hard stock you like I didn't like hiding your bushes or anything. So it was kind of like, okay, she seems cool. I guess. Okay, thank you. I mean, once clearly, I think you're able to tell, I do like to have fun. I, I mean, I talk a lot. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess, how can I say this? I mean, I, I'm a very easygoing person. I don't want to put myself out there on like a pedestal and say like, I'm a really dope person, but I really am. No, you are, you are, you are. Cause I only, I only talk to dope people. Hope you know that. Like I only talk to. Why thank you. Why thank you. People. So, you know. So, but yeah. Cause I was like, how can I not know you exist? Like, in, you know, there's a lot of other African-American women out there and that that's like doing their thing and, and doing their thing in architecture. Like it's, it's, I'm blown away. Like I, I slowly, you know, came out of my hole and then there's this plethora of organizations and, and nonprofits and just, you know, platforms out there that I'm like, wow, I didn't know who's, I'm, I'm blown away right now. Like 2020, I don't know, people had their bucket list and they just like, I'm going to do it this year. Not to say that Right. But it just seems like this year, it's like people, like, whatever project that they were doing, they decided to take it to another level this year. So it's like, um, it's so many, so many. And I'm, I'm shocked. And I'm like, you know what? We all need to not, it would be great if we all can get together, but that's like impossible. But at least I can create a platform where you can find out about everybody like you know i have people you know there's folks in detroit that's doing their thing and now there's people like you who is doing their thing in florida so it's like it's 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 regional and it's about to be national and hopefully global so i mean if you have a moment because to me the ultimate goal is for us to come together as a community so that we can change the world it's not it's not about me just like everyone I feature, like if you have something going on, I don't have a problem showcasing you. I don't have a problem showcasing what you're doing because that's the issue. A lot of times our people are like crabs in a bucket and it's like, I, don't, I can't get farther unless I push you back. But we're in a new day and age where there's, there's space for all of us to grow. That's the thing. And that's a beautiful thing. Like, and I know um for for the women that I've been talking to like like they all that's all they want like that's they want everybody wants to get together everybody wants to help propel each other forward it's a very positive uplifting space like you don't know female architects black women architects like I have yet to meet one that's like no 
Leave me alone. I just need us to continue to do it, like, within our different niches. Because, you know, as soon as you said, oh, I want you on my podcast, well, guess what? I want you on my iTunes. Oh, yeah, you did say that. You did say that. And, yeah. Okay, yeah, of course. So, it's, it's to me, it's just a matter of, like, you know, just all of us growing together to, mm-hmm. like, like I said before, I feel like my purpose is to give back, to serve, and to make an impact. Like, that is really it. It's not about me. But if I can help somebody else get, on, get forward, then my job is done. Mm-hmm. Is anyone helping you at all? Or is this all on you? America's Hidden Gym, the blog, interviews, they're all on me. The podcast, I do have a new friend who is, well, he's the one that actually came to me. and was like, hey, can you collaborate on something? I'm like, sure. And he's like, how about we do a podcast? And I'm like, oh, snap. I want to do one, but I've always was like, I don't like the sound of my voice. But he was like, uh, okay, I don't care, but we're we going to make this happen. I'm like, <laughs> I bet. Okay, we'll go ahead and we'll do it. So his name is Kimmett Floyd, and he's, I guess, my, I guess we're co host on America's Hidden Agenda podcast. All right. Well, let me know when it launches, and I will promote you. Are you on, uh, besides LinkedIn, are you on? Um, Instagram. Instagram. How about Twitter? Okay, to be politically correct, I am. I just don't have it out there. <laughs> okay, all right. But you can, you could, you could get me on there. I mean, I, I will personally follow you, but um, you are on Architecture's Political Podcast. Just to, just to let you know, so everything is... Architecture is political. You should. Uh, so, Hidden Gems doesn't have its own feed. Oh yeah, America's Hidden Gem on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, what else? The podcast is on Instagram. AHG the podcast. How about your nonprofit? Oh, a nice charities. A N A I Y S charities. That's about to take a brand new look because whew, because I don't think I told you, but I lost my aunt in July, and last year I lost my grandfather in January and my godfather in March. Oh. So, so within like an eight month time span, I literally was grieving. Yeah, oh my and God. then after that, it was just like forget 2019. Like I'm kind of just like not in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So now, since 2020 is here, everything is taking a brand new look. So be be ready or get ready. Okay. And the website is thenicecharities.org. Have you been to Noma? No. So I guess a quick story on that real quick. Um, I wanted to start a Noma chapter at UM, but I didn't have enough people to start. So when I graduated, Ironically, and after starting America's Hidden Gym, I was approached on LinkedIn to come to a NOMA meeting. And I was like, okay, because they just recently rechartered. And I am now part of the South Florida NOMA chapter. All right. Let's hope that I will make my first NOMA convention in 2020. All right. Well, they're in Oakland, so... I never been on a plane, so wait, what? Yeah. 
What? No. We got to get you on a plane. Nah, man. Nah. Not even like if you need to go to Jacksonville, you just what? Drive up? Like what? No, that's what the train is for. Now, mind you, I've traveled. I've been to D.C. I've been to Ohio. I've been to Carolinas. By by what? Car or train. You have something against flying or you just... I mean, my my family hasn't been on a plane since I've been alive, at least. So it's just kind of been like, okay, one of these days I'll, I'll get on a plane. So... No, nah, twenty. No, nah, you. No, nah, no, nah, you got to get on a plane. No, nah, no, nah, you got. Now, now you got to go to Oakland. Now, since you said all that, you have to. You have to. You. You just have to go. Well, I, well, I feel like I was just voluntold. <laughs> so the best that I. The best thing. Be I can- like, like not like I have money to send you, but. <laughs> I'm just. uh, I think. I think. I always encourage people who have never been to a Noma conference go to a Noma conference because it's family. Like it is family. I haven't been in like a couple of years. Only because um, I've 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 been more into AIA than I was with Noma for a little bit, and then I was like more involved with Noma than with AIA. So I go back and forth, and then. these past two years, I've been like anti-organization period. Now it's like, I'm slowly getting back into, and that was part of my burnt out. Like I was like, I was, I was involved in DC Noma chapter for a little bit. And then I was like, okay, I need to stop. And then I was involved in AIA for a while. And then I was like, okay, I just need to stop and just not do anything and focus on me. So now I've been like slowly getting back into both organizations like I haven't attended any chapter meetings on either end, but I've been talking and I'm about to pay some dues. So that's me being proactive again, but um, attending, attending a NOMA conference is um, like a, like I said before, it's a family reunion. They love you. They hug you. We all like, it's, it's love. It's, love all the way around and their conferences are the bomb like you will learn so much you will meet so much they had um 2019 was in brooklyn and i'm so mad that i didn't make it because i was believe the hype i should have i should have been there i should and i had plenty of opportunities to go like even for a night like just to go for a day and I didn't take it, and I'm kicking myself for it. And now Oakland, that's a cross country. At least with, with Brooklyn, I could have drove up. But now it's like, ugh, ugh, <laughs> it's money. But um, yeah, you 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 really you 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 need to go. You really need to go. And you know, I mean, you've been involved in Nesby, so I mean, you've been a Nesby conference, right? Ha, 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 ha. What? Uh, okay. So, wow. Yeah, you really are learning my whole life story today. Um, as long as I've been involved in Nesby, I've been involved in Nesby since my freshman year of undergrad. I was on the board, all undergrad. I didn't make it to my first fall regional conference until this year, this past year. 
And the reason being is that Fall Regional Conference always fell during homecoming. And I was like, I don't want to miss my homecoming. So I never went. And then when National Convention came by, it was always something going on on campus or I had to go um, go do something like with my sorority for that conference because I was the only member in my chapter. So it was just like, bruh, this is tiring. So this year coming up, I will most likely be at convention. I'm not going to San Antonio, but I'll most likely be at Orlando next year. We're, we're working. We're, we're working yeah, I on that. I see that. I see that. You are working on it. I, you know, I have to collect my little coins. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I understand. I deeply understand. Con- attending conferences is not cheap at all. Like you got to get there. You may have to stay in a hotel, you know, and then there's a conference fee in itself. So trust, I know that, uh, it's 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 a pretty penny and you know you're out here working for yourself all your little coins are allocated yeah through, through different things and that's another thing on the bright but side though you don't need permission to get off work you already know <laughs> how did you quick question though how did you how were you able to um maneuver working for yourself I feel like, for me, I've had to create an opportunity out of thin air. So the way that I tried to maneuver this entire process was I did work for an architect at one point, but he wasn't able to sustain me working for him because he didn't have products coming in, like, super fast. So when I no longer worked for him, it was a matter of just grinding, to be honest. Like, in order for you to get somewhere, you got to do something you haven't done before. So I was applying to jobs on LinkedIn. I was going to interviews. Um, I was working, like, con- contractually for a couple firms. And when I noticed that it wasn't a good fit, I said, okay, well, I'm not going to work for them. So it wasn't until one of my mentors was like, hey, I have someone who needs drafting services. Are you free to do it? And I was like, wow, this is God. This is literally God sent. And since that moment, I've been able to work for myself. And (laughs) ironically enough, someone posted on LinkedIn that they needed another person to work for them. And I got that architecture firm under my belt as well so it's just a matter of just creating those connections having mentors that can put you in those positions and honestly it's the hustle because mm-hmm. after reading i think it was Ankar saying that it took like 12 or 14 years at one point to get your license and i'm like i'm not doing that i'm not doing that and plus i started late because i didn't have an architecture um, internship until after I graduated it was like I'm behind the ball like I could have had hours I could have started testing but I wasn't privy to that information so now in order for me to achieve my goals I just need to hustle and work for them so that's how I've been maneuvering all of this mm-hmm. back to your non it's a non-profit correct Yes. Calling it nonprofit. I just want to make sure. Um, how did you set that up? 
set it up as a as a nonprofit. Oh well, I had my mom assist me with that. Um, shout out to my mama. I love you dearly. <laughs> she helped me set up my nonprofit, like structurally, legally, all okay. that. Okay. Was it complicated? I, I'm going to say no. Okay. Because she's, she's very familiar with that. Okay. So that's, that's her area of expertise. Um, and, and trademarks and copyrights and mm-hmm. all that good stuff that is that's mama yeah, mom. all right well thank you so much i really appreciate you talking to me thank you for inviting me i am truly touched and honored being that this is the first podcast that i am on so you are just you know you, you have all the stars right now i do i really do <laughs> Just like I'm, I'm very honored because I had a chance to stalk you just a little bit, and I was like, "Wow, she's interviewed some people I featured that are making like you know a name within themselves." And it took a lot for me to, I guess, feel like I'm a part of the architecture community, being that I have an engineering background. So, I'm just like, "Wow, someone wants to hear me talk." I am so honored, and you are really helping me feel like I'm included. Well, now you're, you're just about to get bombarded with all types of people now. So I'm going to let, I'm going to let everybody know about you. Oh, well, thank you. So, so I am honored. Be, be ready. But before you get off, please, 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 whoever is listening, stay tuned for America's Hidden Gym, the summit. <laughs> Just want to throw that out there. I'm excited. I mean, June 2020. All right. Enjoy your day. You too. All right. Bye. Bye. Hey, listeners. I have an exciting announcement. I decided to launch a membership program for the show where you have a chance to support me and the show directly. I love creating the show. And it means the world to me that you all tune in to keep hearing me week after week. But it takes an immense amount of time and energy to produce. I want to keep the show going and I want to invest in its growth. And I also want you to become a partner with me in this journey. That's why I'm excited to give you a chance to officially become a supporter of the show at glow.fm slash A-R-C-H-I-S. P-O-L-L-Y, or by clicking the link in the show notes. It's quick and easy. It takes less than 30 seconds and just takes clicking a link in the show notes and using Apple or Google Pay. You don't have to create any new logins and you can contribute as much or as little as you like. If this show is part of your day or week and you like what I'm doing, then visit glow.fm slash archespolly, all one word, and support me and the show in any way you can today.